The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, the average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds. Something you probably do know, your neighbor is building their kid a treehouse. Something you probably don't know, a falling treehouse would take out your whole fence. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to another episode of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. DJ LeMahieu has a new suitor, and it's a scary team that always gets the better of us. It looks like Gary Sanchez will be tendered a contract. And we have a whole new pool of free agents thanks to the DFA market. Are any of them fits for the Yankees? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Probably not, but it's kind of interesting. Folks, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you do get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review alongside a mailbag question, and we will be sure to answer that in a future episode. Most of the mailbag cues so far are about who we hate more, uh, the Astros, the Red Sox, the Rays. And the answer is really, you know, whichever one is in power. So we can answer that one up top. But if you have a other mailbag question, uh, feel free to hit us up. Thomas, not a lot of movement this weekend. Uh, rumors are now all we have. That, that's what we got. Yeah, you know, boring weekend, but we got stuff to riff with as usual. Um, I think uh, the DJ stuff is pretty cool. Nationals, by the way, are the team that are sneaking in here. Um, I don't really know what to think about that. I have some conflicting viewpoints, but what, what's your what's your uh, inclination here? Okay, so yeah, it, it, we got some DJ LeMahieu national smoke on uh, Friday. It's hard to tell if that's something that his camp is leaking for leverage purposes or if it's genuine interest from the Nationals end. I saw uh, Dan Federico, uh, whether you trust him or not, not a, you know, not a national reporter, uh, say that his D.C. source said that's a real long shot and still believe that LeMahieu to the Yankees was the most likely outcome. Uh, this definitely hasn't changed my opinion that LeMahieu to the Yankees is the most likely outcome. But the Nationals leak, which was courtesy of John Morosi, did come with a caveat that the Nats pursued LeMahieu in the 2018-19 offseason as well. So this would mark their second pursuit of the guy. Uh, and the only other teams that we sort of know were involved back then, we know the Rays were interested. They're not throwing the big money at him. 
obviously the Yankees have long been on LeMahieu's tails. There's the talk about how, you know, Jim Hendry, the former Cubs GMs in the front office, was instrumental in their pursuit of LeMahieu from the beginning. We know how much the Yankees value him, and it, it would seem that the Nationals also do value him. Like, chasing him twice is notable, uh, whether or not you're scared of them. Um, and I will just say that the Nats are the kind of team that, that does flex their financial might these days. Um, you will probably remember two off-seasons ago when the Yankees were the favorite for Patrick Corbin. Uh, it turned out, you know, his brother wore a Yankee hat to his wedding and gave the best man toast, popping on a Yankee hat, trying to get his brother to relocate. Um, they brought him in for a, a meeting and nothing really materialized after that. And suddenly the Nationals were running him for $160 million and the Yankees had only offered him a hundred mil. So the, the, the scary thing about the Nats is they're the kind of team that can just outspend and splurge if they really want someone. That being said, there is no reason to think that the Yankees value LeMahieu as low as they valued Corbin. Clearly, you know, a hundred million to 160 is, is embarrassing. And clearly the Yankees had a different assessment of Corbin or weren't willing to spend on both Cole the next offseason and Corbin in that offseason. Um, but, you know, if you do want to act like it matters, clearly the Nationals are no strangers to just completely blowing a monetary offer from the Yankees out of the water because they just did it. So if they offer LeMahieu, you know, the equivalent of $60 million more than perhaps he is going to choose Washington, that would be the fear. I don't think I'm worried about that. Look, the learners are the richest owners in baseball, the Nationals owners, and they, they don't scare me. If they well, were really, second richest. <laughs> oh, well, he's second richest now, I'm sorry. So the learners were the <laughs> richest owners in baseball until Steve Cohen bought the Mets. And they re- if you really think about it, their biggest expenditures have been Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, and Steven Strasburg. So you know that the, this team's priority lies in pitching. They valued that for a very long time now. And they never really make other big moves on the free agent market. Um, I know Mike Rizzo is very shrewd on the trade market. That's how they got their hands on Trey Turner with that ballistic three-team deal with the Padres and Rays years ago. Um, They obviously have Juan Soto to build around um, and Victor Robles. But I don't see this team outbidding us for DJ LeMahieu, who is going to be entering, what, his age 32 season. Um, especially because they have Strasburg signed at at least $35 million through the 2026 season. I think Patrick Corbin, you know, spending $146 million or whatever it was on a young, on a relative. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. A young left-handed pitcher, like, that's just what it is. I don't think that's, you know, they out... They outbid us because they knew the Yankees were being soft on the free agent market, and they were like, you know what? Let's go, you know, $30 million higher, and we got this guy, and, like, that's the end of the story. So... And it got them a World Series. So I think that they are opportunistic when the situations kind of fall into their lap or fall into their favor. But they're not one of those teams like the Dodgers who's creating their own free agent destiny. I don't think LeMahieu is necessarily a fit for this team. The only thing you have to kind of look out for here is they have Scherzer coming off the books at $35 million after this year. And they also have a bunch of other players, Will Harris, uh, not Will Harris, Starling Castro, Daniel Hudson, and uh, Jan Gomes. That's going to be another uh, about $20 million coming off the book. So you're talking 55, 
almost $60 million coming off the books uh, after the 2021 season. So theoretically, I guess they would be able to absorb a DJ LeMahieu um, uh, four-year, five-year contract, whatever it's going to be at the 18 to $22 million range. But I don't know if that really fits with what this team is trying to do now. I guess that the only thing that should worry Yankee fans in this discussion is the fact that the nationals are rumored to be in the market for a Chris Bryant trade. If they want to go for it all in 2021 and try to defend their title in the legitimate 162 game season, Strasburg's coming back healthy. Scherzer will be back healthy. Um, and then you add Chris Bryant at the hot corner, put DJ at second, and then you have Trey Turner at short. Like that's a pretty damn good team that could very much get you back to the world series. Uh, though it's going to be tough to compete with the Dodgers. So they're, I think they're going to have to make a couple more moves in order to improve the bullpen, get maybe one more back-end starter that's going to help solidify the rotation. I think that there is a very small reason to worry here about their pursuit of DJ LeMahieu. But like you said, Yankees are still the overwhelming favorite. I don't like this window for DJ LeMahieu with the Nationals. Uh, because he doesn't really fit in after 2022 when they're, you know, they're going to have a lot of guys leaving. They're going to have a lot of other guys to prioritize. Remember, they're going to need extensions for Trey Turner, Juan Soto, and Robles soon if that's what they want to do within the next one to two seasons um, in order to avoid, you know, the, the arbitration uh, nonsense, especially with Soto because he's clearly one of the best players in the game and it's not even close. So, I mean, I take it with a grain of salt. I think, you know, I think it's more so LeMahieu's camp leaking a little something to create some leverage at, at, the, very, at the very least. Um, but the Nationals don't scare me in terms of flexing their financial might. Yeah, it's, the leak makes more sense when you think about how quickly the Mets stuff got shot down. Like, the Mets buzz was what the LeMahieu camp needed to, mm-hmm. to push the Yankees. Um, and there were like, you know, there was like two hours of everyone being like, oh no, Cano, it's probably a fake suspension. Like Steve Cohen fed him steroids so he could clear path for LeMahieu. And then every insider barraged you with articles in the aftermath that was like, the Mets don't think LeMahieu's a fit. That's not how they're going to prioritize. And then LeMahieu's camp was like, ah, oh, damn it. Uh, that would have been fun uh, to, to talk about for 24, 48 hours. So let's get Morosky to sort of leak the Nats thing. I can definitely see that happening. I would say that there, there's no reason to read the slow-moving free agent market as, you know, bad for the Yankees and LeMahieu or good for the Yankees and LeMahieu. It just is what it is. This was always destined to be an incredibly dull month or so. It'll pick up at some point. We're getting to the point. We're getting to December. Like, at some point, people are going to start signing, uh, and we're talking about people who aren't Drew Smiley. But I, I do thank God that this is not like NBA free agency. It wasn't all over in 48 hours. Uh, and the Lakers didn't, you know, the, the MLB's equivalent of the Lakers didn't just dish their three worst players and sign the three best available players on the market. Um, teams are going to have to do work. They're all going to have even odds to do work, and it's going to take quite a while until this uh, gets done. Uh, oh, boy, we have breaking news that I feel like I just need to cut in and drop. Uh, from Morosi, Red Sox showing interest in J-Hap. Woo! Um, I, I, I don't really even have anything to say about that. I, I just feel like I didn't want to do a, I didn't want to record a whole podcast without addressing the fact that uh, sources Red Sox showing interest in Jay Happ and perhaps we should have seen this coming. Happ has thrown more innings at Fenway than any ballpark he has not called home and has a 2.57 ERA in his career there. Not relevant. Not Completely relevant. irrelevant. Young Jay Happ, you know, 33-year-old Jay Happ is not walking through that door. Uh, man, 
God bless. Uh, so I, I will, I'm going to throw it to you on, on two things now. So now you think about half in Boston, uh, get your thoughts. Uh, I'll, we'll, we'll, I'll just, both of us get to react to that. But I do want to talk about Gary Sanchez, um, who we had briefly waxed uh, rhapsodic about maybe him not getting a contract from the Yankees and just being let into free agency. Uh, that was never going to happen. It's one of those where I didn't even consider it until I saw the report. And then the report dropped this week. They're likely to extend him a contract anyway. Uh, and there's no non-tender. He's going to go through arbitration. Uh, so odds are whether Sanchez is traded or not, he will have a contract uh, by December 2nd. Uh, is that the right move? feel like it probably is. Uh, and then also the floor is yours on, on Jay Happ. This is who the Red Sox are now. It's hilarious. You're going to really show interest in Jay Happ, who's, who the Yankees acquired initially because of his success against the Red Sox. And if we're being quite honest, he wasn't really that effective against the Boston Red Sox when he was with the Yankees. Um, I don't think that the fact that he pitched at Fenway in almost 67 innings is going to move the needle for this Red Sox rotation. I, I, I don't know, you know, that's, I don't, I don't think that that's a relevant stat that's going to help them. He is, Jay Happ's an eye test guy. He's not an analytics guy. He's not like, oh, he pitches well in this situation. So that must be it. It's like, no, it's not really how it works. He's just not very good. He's a good low cost signing for uh, perhaps a team looking to rebuild and need some bodies in the rotation that's going to eat innings and provide some sort of mentorship for younger starters. I don't think he's a good addition for a contender, kind of as you saw this year. I mean, the, the fact that it's being pitched that, oh, he had the second best year in the Yankees aside from Garrett Cole, kind of hilarious. He got nine starts this season and uh, two of them were very bad. And then and not the, a single human being wanted to watch him start a game when it actually mattered. Yeah. Every fan complained when he took the mound and you know, I'm not taking anything away from the guy, but it was a lot of low leverage starts. He didn't face a lot of good competition and that's where you're going to get a lot of the stats from when it comes to J hap, but this is more funny than anything, you know, Red Sox enjoy, enjoy it, you know, keep going after these guys who aren't going to move the needle. And it's going to, you think that it's going to be some sort of sexy, sexy acquisition because of time bloom and I don't think that any of his, his uh, moves and expressions in these other free agents have suggested that's going to be the case whatsoever. So until I see a shrewd trade from this dude, I'm not buying the hype of him as general manager of the Boston Red Sox. And I think that's more than enough time I have to dedicate to Jay Hap because he's not going to be on my team anymore. And I'm not going to have to respond to complaining fans that. Yeah, bye, buddy. Uh, good luck. See ya. And thank you. Um, but as for Sanchez, I mean, I guess this is the right move. Um, I was fine with him potentially being non-tendered. I thought it would free up a decent chunk of money. I think now that if we're looking at this, the Yan it's one of two things. It's the Yankees are keeping him and Yadier Molina is no longer realistic or the Yankees are tendering him a contract because they have some sort of optimism that they will be able to find a trade partner for him before spring training. Now, do I think that that's possible? Sure. Do I think that it's likely? Not really. Uh, unless this is part of a bigger package, as we talked about. For example, we floated the Royals package where, you know, we get Whit Merrifield and maybe take on either Danny Duffy or Salvador Perez's contract to uh, absorb the blow for them. Um, and then maybe exchange uh, a couple of relievers or something. I think this has to be 
this is not the the focal point of a larger framework. Gary Sanchez is going to be more so of a throw-in in any deal uh, where the Yankees are offloading his salary to make uh, catcher signing more justifiable or to, you know, add a guy potentially like Merrifield who would help solve a lot of the issues in the lineup in terms of defensive versatility, contact bat, um, and uh, someone who could steal bases. But in the end, I guess this is the right move. I'm not really against it either way. If he was non-tendered a contract, I wouldn't have been surprised. I think this is what we were all expecting. I think the non-tender news kind of just caught up, caught us by surprise. And we we're like, whoa, wait a second. Like this guy could actually get released. Like this offseason is going to be pretty crazy if this is how the, how the market's going to be. But whatever, this is it. It's fine. I agree. It's obviously fine. <laughs> I think the most important thing, though, you know, we, we could take Sanchez's name and, and reputation with a grain of salt. Um, and whether or not he comes back, we have no idea. But I think the important thing is um, if the Yankees were not willing to even consider paying him $7 million, then that would indicate they were not willing to do a whole lot more things. Like there's probably a long list of things they weren't financially ready to do. Uh, and it- Progressive presents today's to do list for your dog. Check front door, check window, check other window. Rest chin on ground, look into distance. Bark for no reason. Check front door, check window, check other window. Your pet has a very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Chase shiny ball, lose shiny ball, find shiny ball, eat shiny ball. Get coverage for your pets with anti-auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with a purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. If they're prepared to eat $7 million for Sanchez, that means they're probably prepared to eat money in other cases too. So maybe they'll be a little more active than the worst case scenario. We're going to throw to a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the recent DFA pool. And who are we kidding? Probably talk about J-Hap for like five or six more minutes for no reason. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the J-Hap podcast on jhap.com. Uh, nah, it's still Yanks go yard. still us. If J-Hap goes to the Red Sox, I promise. So, okay, I'm done. I'm done now. This is the last thing I'm going to say. I'm very careful about jinxes, about, you know, being too optimistic about things, about declaring things that haven't happened yet as done. When the Yanks are up 10-2 in the ninth over the Red Sox, I will not call it a win until the final out is recorded. I've seen too much shit in my life. That's who I am. I am a thousand percent confident in saying that J-Hap, feel free to go to the Red Sox, go to the Blue Jays, stay in the division, uh, go do your thing. I am happy to face you five times a year. I do not see there being any repercussions to that bold statement by me. Um, And if so, everyone can write me a strongly worded letter. I'm the most careful man on earth. And I am fine sending J-Hap to do either of these two rosters. If he wants to check out the Rays, too, that'd be great. There's a lot of good real estate in Florida. So any of those three locations for 38-year-old J-Hap, uh, feel free. The we Mets- should sign uh, Steve Pierce. And only only, sta- only start him when J-Hap pitches against us. I would sign Steve Because <laughs> he Pierce. hit three home runs, right? That was the game. Uh, God, I don't remember who he hit that off of. I think he hit two of them off Hap, and then he hit one of them off somebody else, I think. I remember the CC Sabathia. I thought that was a Sabathia game, because they had like a was 4 it? lead early, and then just... It was so what was the other game Hap got tattooed in? Whatever, we're, it's too much time on it. Who cares? <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, Steve Cohen, Jay Hap on line one. Um, so <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk DFA, uh, DFA folks in the free agent pool. Um, so uh, not that many decisions were made. Uh, this Friday, when it came time to protect prospects for the Rule 5 draft, the Yankees did not get weird. Uh, they've got this reliever that came over from the Phillies this summer named Addison Russ. 
not Addison Russell, who, who throws some splitter and people blew smoke up my butt before the deadline. And we're like, keep an eye on Addison Russ. And then lo and behold, we don't protect him. Someone's probably going to steal him. We don't have him anymore. Uh, we put Oswald Peraza, one of our top prospects, on the 40-man, as well as three young pitcher uh, top prospects, Rowan T. Contreras, uh, Vizcaino, uh, a couple dudes who, you know, interesting guys who you have to protect and you can't let go. That's fine. Uh, most teams didn't really cut loose any pieces either, uh, but a few did. And so I do want to just highlight some guys who were not free agents last week and are free agents now uh, who you may be familiar with. Uh, Pirates righty Trevor Williams. Uh, he's a starter. He had one of the worst 2020s you can possibly have. Uh, makes sense why the Pirates cut him. Um, 15 homers in like 50 innings and a 6.18 RA the year before, 7 and 9, 5.38. But in 2018, only two years ago, 14 and 10, 3.11 ERA, 146 hits, and 170 and two thirds innings. He's entering his age 29 season. Um, you know, pitch to contact. A guy who two years ago was a, was a budding two or three starter for a really bad team could be a nice, you know, four or five depth piece. Um, you know, I don't really. I, I understand that Corey Kluber's got a better track record but roughly an equivalent signing, honestly, at this point. After the last two years of Corey Kluber and the last two years of Trevor Williams, both men are coming from the same spot. So just because the name is different doesn't mean that one is inherently more trustworthy. Uh, two more long shots that I do just want to mention but, but intrigue me, um, the Rays and Hunter Renfro. Uh, you know, that's, a, that's a, a power bat who mashes lefties. He had 11 homers and 113 at-bats against lefties in San Diego in 2019. Uh, proved he can handle right field. Not a DH, made some sparkling defensive plays in the ALCS against the Astros specifically. And the Rays decided not worth the, the expenditure, only hits homers. We're kind of bored and we're, we're not doing a little raise for, for Hunter Renfro. They also cut Mike Zanino a while back, also interesting. And they're now looking for catching. Funny, they, they used to have that. His name was Mike Zanino, and now you don't have him anymore. Um, and the Orioles, Renato Nunez. Uh, someone else who killed us. Every time someone asks why the Orioles are so bad, I don't really know. It's the pitching, obviously. <laughs> I, I guess I do know. But the offense has these dudes who, who kind of mash a little bit. Um, and Nunez mashes lefties too. 2019, full season, he slashed 273, 26, 510 against them. 13 homers and 221 plate appearances. Now he's sort of a bat first, no defense guy. Um, he's like Miguel Andujar light, but the bat might honestly be better than Andujar at this point. Um, so if you trade and Duhar, you could do much worse. Do any of these guys intrigue you or is there someone else on your radar? None of these guys intrigue me. I think it's great to do the due diligence on who was DFA'd. Um, but I don't think the Yankees need to make these bargain BS signings or have, you know, a project like Trevor Williams, who they're going to have to build back up and then maybe, or maybe not have a future spot for him in the rotation. I think the answer is signing one of these low-cost veterans or medi or mid-tier veterans. Like we, you know, Yadier Molina is my number one. I think I thought that should have been a priority. That's someone who moves the needle in so many ways in terms of veteran leadership, in terms of defense, in terms of aggression at the plate, uh, in terms of being a vocal leader in the clubhouse, which I think the Yankees kind of need. Uh, I don't think they they lack any of those guys. I just think they need more outspoken people who are going to kind of make this team a little bit more fearful. I don't think the Yankees are that feel fearful from like a personality standpoint. Like you're not afraid to go up against the Yankees because like they're badass and they're rugged and 
you know, they're relentless. You're afraid to go up against the Yankees because they're just good baseball players. And Aaron Judge is a gigantic human. So it's like he comes into the batter's box and you're like, oh, man. Like, but I think another – I think another layer to this team being fearful is in the personality department and in the experience department. So I think they should, I, I pitched in my article a couple of days ago that they should add, you know, a couple of veteran free agents that would help fill needs and help boost clubhouse morale. Yachty was obviously number one, which I won't stop talking about until he signs somewhere else or signs with us. Um, and I think, you know, potentially bringing back Todd Frazier could be a cool idea. I know that he's not that great, but he's a good teammate to have. You see everybody talk highly of him. I watched his interview after game five of the ALDS in 2017 and their win over the Indians when he had that great uh, heads up base running play that extended the Yankees lead and kind of really shut the door on the Indians for that series. Just classic Jersey dude, like couldn't be more of a cultural like New York fit if that's even like a thing, but He's just perfect. He's outspoken. He'll help the younger guys. He'll help boost morale. A lot of problems with the younger guys on the Yankees this year in terms of, you know, Mike Ford, Tyler Wade, Tyro Estrada. Those guys could use a boost. And I think Todd Frazier, we saw what Eric Kratz did, dude. Like Eric Kratz is a very positive voice, veteran leader, helped out Davey Garcia and all those guys at the alternate site so much. This doesn't get enough credit for having the right personalities and having, having the right mindset and positive energy. And I think Todd Frazier coming back would be great. He's not going to command anything more than a one-year deal. If the Yankees are looking for depth up the middle, they're going to need help at third base because you don't want to be moving DJ LeMahieu all over the infield as he's getting older. And I don't think that's a good talking point in negotiating a contract with him. He wants to remain at second. He's a gold glove second baseman. That's where he should be. Get Todd Frazier in there. Give him some starts. You know, Gio had this elbow problem. God forbid it's lingering or whatever, but he'll need some days of rest because he's a hard worker. Put Todd Frazier in there. Have him as a good dugout voice, and that settles it. And I also think John Lester could be a great guy, dude. Put him in the back end of the rotation. Look, I don't know how much he's going to cost. I think that's very much up in the air. Um, The Cubs declined his $25 million team option and ate the $10 million buyout. So he essentially already made $10 million for 2021. I don't know if he's looking for much more than that. I don't think he's a guy the Players Association is like, look, dude, like you got to make sure you get a good deal under your belt at this point. He's over the hump. He's way past his prime. But on a contender, in the back end of the rotation, eating innings, being a mentor, providing that veteran like, you know, playoff experience voice in the clubhouse could go a long way. If you look at what the Cubs tried to do with him, it didn't work. They signed him to be an ace heading into, what, 2015, I think it was. It was after yeah. the 2014 season. And he was. He was, pretty, he was very good in, um, in 2015. And he was a bona fide ace in 2016 when they won the World Series. And then very slowly, he started to take steps back. And that culminated with a very bad 2019 and a very bad 2020. And the reason for that was because the Cubs signed you Darvish and the Cubs traded for Jose Quintana. And they thought both of those moves would alleviate the pressure on Lester. And they didn't at the time. Hugh Darvish is now very clearly doing that, but he did it only for the shortened season. He was bad his first season. Then he had the elbow injury. Quintana never really panned out. And that was supposed to be like a great middle rotation guy who, you know, you would throw in like game three or four of a playoff series. And the other team would be completely screwed because he's, he's got that. He's got, he can, he's good with length. He gets it. He gets a lot of strikeouts and he's a lefty but it didn't work out for them. So the pressure was still on Lester to kind of deliver. And he never really got a chance to take that step back and like become more of a veteran arm who can, you know, just give you like five solid innings. 
um, and keep you in the game. So I think de-emphasizing Lester's role atop the rotation at this point in his career and putting him on a Yankees team with a bonafide ace in Garrett Cole and with a team who has a great offense, who's the Cubs offense is so wildly inconsistent. Like we complain about the Yankees offense being consistent and annoying. Watch, watch a fucking Cubs game. Holy shit. I don't know how those people did it for that long. No wonder they had, you know, that long of a World Series drought and why they had the biggest party of the century after winning in 2016 is because they're insufferable to watch sometimes. But I think putting Lester in the back end of this rotation, kind of giving the middle finger to the Red Sox for A, trading him to the A's, and then lowballing him with contract offers and contract extension offers could really do it. You know, get him under contract for a year, see how it works out. Maybe you win the World Series. Maybe you bring him back for 2022 and you win that year. Who knows? But I think de-emphasizing his role, bring him on as kind of an innings eating guy where he can rediscover his stuff and help out this young rotation and give, provide another championship winning voice in the locker room. will will do wonders for this team. I, th- I think that's the answer as opposed to the, the DFA market. Now, I'm definitely a stupid moron, but you know, people <laughs> say that like the 2017 Yankees were the best addition of this current Yankees. Why do you think that is a full season of Didi Gregorius at his peak? And Todd Frazier, I hate, I hate to say it, um, you know, the, the rotation was just as thin. There, there was no, like, great galvanize Like, the, the galvanizing force wasn't some superstar who wasn't on the roster. It was these little guys, these glue guys. And Ronald Torres was a really important piece of the 2017 team. Like, I hate to say it. And it was also the fact that it was Aaron Judge's rookie year. He was a shiny new toy. There weren't great expectations on his shoulders. And ever since then, we've been waiting for the full season follow-up. So there was no pressure on Judge. Now there's the most pressure on Judge. I mean, he was awful in August of 2017, but it kind of didn't matter because he was still our new toy. Now if he was terrible for a full month nursing a shoulder injury for the home run derby, a lot of people would be upset. But it was guys like Todd Frazier at the margins who you knew weren't long-term pieces of this team, but were core components of its rise back to relevance. And so with that in mind, I just do want to say that, you know, a possibility that we haven't talked about yet with Yadi Molina um, is the package deal of Yadi Molina and Adam Wainwright, which would sort of serve the same purpose um, you as bringing in a stabilizing veteran presence, but you're doing it, you know, it's, it's a twofold package deal. Wainwright is 39 years old, not a spring chicken every year could be his last, but his last full season in 2019 coming back from injury, 14 and 10, 4.19. He's getting playoff starts for the Cardinals last year in the 60 gamer, five and three, 3.15. So Adam Wainwright still has it in the NL central to be fair. Didn't face a non-divisional opponent in, in last season, obviously. Um, but if you're going to bring in Yachty, why not bring in both? I agree. That'd be, that'd be totally great. And that would essentially, you know, solve, I guess, having to bring in that other veteran starter where you're looking at, you know, okay, who else would match up with the rotation? You get a guy with familiarity with Molina in Wainwright and Wainwright's still solid. We saw he, he goes in kind of these phases of being really bad and being really good. I think if he can weather the storm and just, you know, figure out a way to meet in the middle and be a back end guy for the, for the be a back end rotation guy for the Yankees and, you know, keep extending his career with a de-emphasized role. Cause like, you know, once again, another guy on the Cardinals, who's kind of, re- they kind of relied on him to do a little bit too much in his, in his latter years, like Jack Flaherty emerged last year. And then he kind of fell off the map this year. Dakota Hudson's a young guy, but he's not exactly an ace. You have all these guys who aren't like good enough, but, um, 
can, you know, they're solid, but they need that veteran help. And Wainwright was a guy who was relied upon way too much to make the, you know, have these big outings. And I think a guy like him on the Yankees with a much better consistent offense behind him will go a long way. And then having the familiarity with, with Molina is great. You bring that rapport and they don't miss a beat. Neither of the, both of them are, you know, still in, in a comfortable situation without really having to adapt as much as, as much as you'd suspect. So I'm, I'm in for that. That's a good match. Yeah. Carlos Martinez, Alex Reyes, like these, these guys who just don't live up to expectations and the burden was on Wainwright. And eh, maybe it won't be anymore. Maybe he and Molina come and, and try on the pinstripes. That is it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. We're going to be here all week uh, taking you through the holiday. Please don't travel if you haven't already. Not travel. Just don't travel. It's totally fine. You don't have to. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call Seabus Seatown, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice cold Pepsi right here in Seabus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi. And say here's to OHIO, where Pepsi and life are oh so refreshing. Wherever you do get your podcast, make sure to drop us a line in a five-star review. We would love to hear from you. We're not joking. Uh, if you're scared of Jay Happ going to the Red Sox, we would definitely like to hear from you. We want to make sure that you're a person who exists. That just doesn't seem like a real person. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinerib, and you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinerib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. You can also find Adam and I on yanksgoyard.com. All the stuff that we're talking about here is up on the site in article form. We have many other things up there that we don't uh, address on the pod either. So check us out there. Hit us up on Twitter at yanksgoyardfs. We'll take some of your suggestions, turn them into content. Otherwise, we'll see you on Wednesday. And if you're traveling, be safe uh, to go celebrate with your family for the holidays. See you on Wednesday, everybody. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.